0: As we are studying the model of Jesus in ministry, in evangelizing, uh, and applying it to Muslim ministry, I ask the question, what is the gospel? Uh, A few days ago, I was um, in a meeting with Daniel Lin, who is one of the top leaders in IHOP, the International House of Prayer. And he mentioned that the uh, gospel has been diluted. I have seen that myself and many others. In fact, uh, in mission circles, we often talk about how so many things have complicated the gospel and evangelism has become uh, clouded by all kinds of human uh, efforts, human ideas that have clouded the gospel. This is not new to us. Uh, Paul, even in the first century of Christianity, has warned us about this. In Galatians chapter 1, and uh, beginning with verse 6, 6 to 9, Paul says these words that should really shake us, uh, awaken us, and cause us to think about what is the gospel, uh, to make sure that we are not diluting the gospel, and we are not preaching a different gospel. He says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. By turning to a different gospel, Paul is saying we are deserting Christ. Are we deserting Christ? Are we leaving Christ by preaching a different gospel? And then he says, which is really no gospel at all. The different gospel is not the gospel. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Jesus Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have already said, so now I say it again. If anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you have accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Anathema in the Greek. If Paul uh, in the first century was careful to make sure the gospel is clear and undefiled and undiluted and not perverted, So much today, uh, is uh, so much reason for us today to be very careful not to dilute the gospel ourselves. So I want us to, in this class, uh, to awaken a little bit to the fact that there are many approaches to the gospel that are not biblical. So let us look into this today. Some of these approaches are what was uh, uh, named Silent Witness. Can you believe it, that there are people who promote something called Silent Witness? This is based on what was uh, quoted by Francis Assisi as saying that preach the gospel all times and if necessary, use words. Well, with all my respect, to uh, uh, Assisi, for whatever he stood for. And I know he stood for a lot of good things. This is not gospel truth, what he said. At least uh, if we understood him correctly. Uh, You cannot preach the gospel silently. You cannot preach the gospel without words. The gospel always... In the 118 times that is referenced in the Bible, always it is associated with words. Forty of these times is Jesus preaching the gospel. Preaching means proclaiming, meaning announcing, heralding, telling the good news. There is no way you can tell without it. Some people say, well, we are a living gospel. We are the gospel that people. Um, uh, we are the only gospel that people will ever read because they don't read the gospel, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Although these are truths that we need to live a Christian life, uh, even if we don't speak, our life should speak. The gospel, if we are ever to go to say we are preaching the gospel, has to include words. The gospel is verbal witness all the time. Other other things are good, and they support the verbal preaching. And I'm not against uh, living a good Christian life, but I'm against us seeing that this is the full gospel. Another uh, deception and that has diluted the meaning of the gospel is what is called friendship evangelism. You can order books on friendship evangelism. I'm not against friendship. Jesus was called the friend of the sinners and the tax collectors and those who are on the fringes of society. He befriended them. He spent time with them. He ate with them, walked with them, touched the untouchables. Yes, friendship is important. And um, nobody could accuse me of not being friends with many of the people that I have witnessed to Uh, or that I am still witnessing to. Some of them call me uh, a friend, some of them call me father, some of them call me uncle, Uh, and so they recognize the relationship. Friendship evangelism is excellent if it includes verbal witness. If it does not include verbal witness, then it's not witness at all. Thirdly, uh, some people consider the gospel helps or service or ministry of compassion. Of course we need to be compassionate. Jesus was compassionate. When he saw the crowds he had compassion for them, because he saw them as lost, as sheep without shepherd, harassed and helpless. And so he ministered to their needs. But without the gospel again, without the verbal preaching of the gospel, helps is not helpful. I am uh, involved in international student ministry. And I have to say that the majority of those working with international students uh, confuse the verbal witness with the helps, with the services. So uh, they pick people up from the airport. That's wonderful. They develop friendship with them. They take them to uh, uh, the bank to open an account. They help them grocery shopping they drive them around if they would need to, to go to the hospital. I remember uh, a woman from Syria who used to call me often because she was pregnant and she needed to go often to the doctor. And I would just leave everything, get in my car, and, and drive over and take her to the hospital. Uh, one time, as I was bringing her back, I noticed that her husband had a car and um, and he was just sitting at home. So I said, why am I doing this? And so from that day on, I began to think, uh, am I just being used or abused? And it's okay to be used or abused as long as there is interest in the gospel. So I began to shift my relationship with them, with this woman and her husband, and I began to share the gospel. As soon as I began to share the verbal gospel, they were no longer interested in my services. And that's fine. Now I can spend time on those who are truly interested. So whether it's, it's a lifestyle evangelism, which some people call silent witness, or friendship evangelism, or service of any kind, or, or social uh, interaction with people, uh, holding meetings, dinners, Uh, cultural nights, which we do a lot, it needs to include the verbal witness. Otherwise, it's not the gospel. Good is not good enough. Good can be the enemy of the best. The best is to preach the gospel verbally along with all the other things that you do for them because you do need to develop relationship and friendship But you cannot totally uh, depend on that. What I have observed in my ministry of over 40 years with Muslims, that the gospel is much simpler than we make it. I have observed that 70 to 80 percent of our effort, our time, our human and financial resources are wasted on what we call pre-evangelism. I personally do not believe there is such a thing as pre-evangelism. Some people continue to do pre-evangelism year after year for three years, five years, and in some cases that I have known, 10 or even 15 years, and they still have not shared the gospel with those people. They are just building relationships. I have traveled in North Africa, traveled in Arab countries, in Asia and in Africa, and encountered people uh, also in the United States. Uh, people who just do all these good things but do not uh, preach the gospel. The simpler the gospel, the more powerful. That's what I have learned. And Paul explains to us what the simple gospel is all about. Open with me to 1st Corinthians chapter 15. And you will find this description of what the gospel is. And Paul was very clear about what the gospel is. He says, Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. And the Lord is using me now to remind you, brother and sister, of what the gospel is all about. You cannot be effective in ministry to Muslims unless you are clear Of what the gospel is. It says, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. Which you received. And on which you have taken stand. So if you have received the gospel. You need to deliver that same gospel that you have received. By this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you by this gospel you are saved it's the gospel of salvation we're speaking about uh, <coughs> there is no such a thing as social gospel or humanitarian gospel the gospel is the gospel of salvation through the verbal witness through Je- about Jesus Christ and this is what paul de- how he defines gospel for what i have received i pass on to you as the, of the first import, importance, that Christ died for us. For Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. So the Gospel is all about the cross. Paul again said in the same epistle, First Corinthians, He says that Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with word of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. And he says again and again in chapter 2, verse verse 2. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. If you are ashamed to share that Jesus died for our sins, then you are ashamed of the gospel. And Paul says in Romans 1, 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of salvation to all those who believe. Brothers and sisters, let's not fool ourselves. Don't fool yourself to thinking that you are sharing the gospel or witnessing If you talk about everything good except about the death uh, and uh, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is the content of the gospel. The gospel is good news for those who are perishing. Um, And it is different things to different people. Let me give you a story. I met someone in Dearborn, Michigan from South Lebanon. He's a Shiite Muslim named Ali. Ali was struggling with condemnation. He was feeling judged. Because when he was a little boy, his father uh, was very harsh on him. He abused him. He shouted at him. Every time he made a mistake, he would uh, scream at him and beat him up. And he grew up from uh, childhood uh, feeling damaged emotionally. When I met him, he was 22 years old. And I held the Bible in my hand. I said, can I... Answer any questions you have. And his question was, how do I get rid of these nightmares, night after night, for 15 years that I have been having these nightmares, that God is going to judge me for every little thing that I have done, and he's going to send me to hell. I opened the Bible and began to share with him. We went to a little restaurant, had lunch, and I, I shared with him Ali, God loves you. He loves you so much that He wants you to live with Him forever. He wants to give you forgiveness. He wants to give you eternal life. He wants to fellowship with you, even here on earth. And when He heard these things, of course, I was sharing the Gospel with Him, sharing the life of Jesus, what Jesus came for, to seek and find those who are lost, to seek and save those who are lost. He didn't come to the righteous, but to those who are sick uh, and, uh, and struggling with sin and with fear. Ali was afraid of God's judgment. The gospel to him was relief from fear, that you know, do not need to be afraid. You can trust God who loves you, and he wants to save you. That was June 16, 2006. And on July 2nd, Ali gave his life to Jesus Christ and he's still going strong right now and he has a ministry on the internet to reach others and share with them the love of God. The gospel is different things to different people but it's still the same. Without the death of Jesus Christ, which is the exemplification of his total love for us, There is no hope for this man to be forgiven. I shared with him that it is based on the atoning work of Jesus Christ, the redemption that substitutes the life of Christ for my life and for your life and for the life of the world. Jesus became sin for us that we may be relieved from the debt of sin and uh, from the judgment of sin. Another man I met is uh, Hussein. Hussein was struggling with something else. He did not have assurance of his salvation. I asked him, how do you go to heaven? He said, I pray, I fast, I do all these things that religion requires me to do. And he has been to the Hajj, to the pilgrimage once in his lifetime. I said, are you sure that all these prayers and all these religious things you do will uh, assure you salvation. He said, no, Allahu alam, God knows, inshallah, maybe, uh, if God wills. And I opened the Bible again, and I shared with Hussein, that um, Jesus says, if you believe in me, you will have eternal life. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, will not go to hell, but will have eternal life. And I began to share other scriptures to assure him of God's forgiveness. Because the one who judges you is the one who loves you. If the one who judges you loves you enough to die for you, why would you uh, still linger in fear of his judgment? And so uh, this, uh, this man was very interested. But let me share with you how uh, things turn around with him because at first he was arguing you know I'll do them I'll do my best and God will do the rest and I asked him do you have a car do you drive he said yes I drive I said do you have insurance have you paid your monthly fees uh, yes I'm paid up are you sure that if you have an accident that uh, that the insurance company will cover the cost of the accident and he was very sure of that. So I said, how come you're more sure of a human agency called insurance company than sure of, of your salvation? Uh, then, uh, you're more sure uh, that, the, that the insurance company will cover your car than you are sure that God will forgive you your sins and take you to eternal life. And this is one method that I have found to be very helpful. One example about the insurance company that you can use as a technique uh, to show people that unless they have assurance of salvation, their religion is useless. It doesn't help. I thank God that Jesus Christ has come on the cross to die for my life so that I don't have to die, but in him I can have eternal life. And you can take that to the bank because Jesus um, promised us eternal life if we believe in Him. In John chapter 1, verses 11 to 13, it says, He came to His own, but His own did not receive Him. That's the Jewish people. They rejected Him. But everyone who received Him, meaning believed in His name, to them He gave the authority, the power to become children of God. And that is not a physical birth, but it is from God, as the Scripture says. And that is so sure that I know that if I die today, I have eternal life in Jesus Christ. This kind of certainty is needed as part of preaching the Gospel, that the death of Jesus Christ replaces your life. And uh, I often give the uh, story of Abraham to explain How the death of the animal, the sheep, was enough to pay for the life of the boy, the son of Abraham. The gospel is, Jesus died for you because he loves you and he wants to give you eternal life. His death became the gateway to your life. The gospel of Jesus Christ is powerful. And it is not all about words. Of course, I've been emphasizing that the gospel is verbal communication of the truth of the uh, death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But Paul recognizes that it's not just words. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom. It's amazing that today we're always looking for a wiser way more reasoned way of speaking. And it's hard for me to say, let's not be logical. But here are the words of God. Paul was very highly educated. He understood theology, and yet he says, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified, I came to you in weakness and in fear, with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. We need to recognize, brothers and sisters, that even though it does not make sense to people, and, and Paul again recognizes, he says, it's foolishness. It is a stumbling block to many people. That's in 1 Corinthians 1 and verses 17 to 22. He says, And uh, Jews demand miraculous signs. Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews, foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called both Jews and Greeks. Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Try this, brother and sister. When you share the straight gospel, the simple, clear message of, of Jesus coming to earth on the cross, even though they may not like it, they may reject you, they may laugh at it. This is what Paul says. It's a stumbling block. It's foolishness. And yet it has the power. When I have done that, over time I've recognized that people go home and God begins to work in their mind and brings them to a realization of the power of the gospel. The gospel is powerful when it's simple, clear, and direct.